Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, we have Tommy Dreamer and Mickey James with two amazing guests that you definitely don't want to miss. First, we talk to longtime WWE writer and now author Brian Gewertz joins us right here on the Busted Open Podcast. Also, we speak to somebody who went through a table not once, not twice, not three times, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think you get the point. C.J. Perry joins us right now on the Busted Open Podcast. For first time ever here on Busted Open, he's the author of There's Just One Problem, True Tales from the former one-time seventh most powerful person in the WWE. Everyone wants to be like, you know, Monday morning quarterback or or for you. You took a lot of heat during a time where it wasn't your, it's such a hard job, but also like coming up, like paying your dues. This was also an era where, oh, you had to be a wrestler to learn how to write wrestling television. And like, oh, like you don't have respect for the business, which was totally untrue because you were a fan and all that like type of stuff. But it was a much different locker room as the years progressed. Mm -hmm. And you had to go through a lot of that. And, you know, a lot of the success was never credited to you. But whenever something went wrong, oh, it's these damn the writer's fault. Oh, blue hair over here. The writer's fault. (laughs) As opposed to, well, no, because I mean, I I was blessed to, you know, to work with Brian and you sit in that writing room and you have this great idea and then it gets changed and gets tweaked. And then, okay, well, we have to make these changes. And then once you get to the agents meeting, you literally come out and be like, that's not my idea at all. And yet it gets presented to the world and you're like. Well, that that if it didn't come out that right, the way that it was supposed to be, it wasn't your fault, but then you get blamed for it. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's very true. And thank you. First of all, there's so it's very interesting as I'm like looking back on this period of time, because for a while, I mean, as incredible as it sounds, as oblivious as I was, you know, before the wrestler's court, which is, you know, what opens the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like Seinfeld's mother in terms of obliviousness to how much heat I had. Like Kurt Angle would pull me aside. It's like, well, obviously, you know, you got all that heat in the locker room. Like the people don't like me. How can anyone not like me? <laughs> what did I do? I'm so likable. What? <laughs> and it's like, no, you really. And then that was a big wake up call. And then, um, you know, once you're self-aware of that, uh, you know, you take steps to remedy it. But the other thing that you would mention, Tommy, is true. It's like there's no John Cena actually would go out of his way because he knew how much, you know, the the, you know, 
it obviously grew with social media and everything, the, the feedback to writers specifically. And for some reason, you know, I had, um, you know, absorbed Vince's scatological humor love as suddenly it became my love, which it really isn't ever. So I remember one particular promo, John, right before he went out, it was a, a deal with JBL and Crime Time. He just kind of looked at me and was like, watch this. And he spray painted. And people remember this, too. JBL is poopy on the side of JBL's limousine. And he's like, they're going to love you now. <laughs> and right now, like all this chatter is like, damn it, the writer. Why is he, this guy obsessed with, you know, he's making poop. that. Yeah, it's like I had nothing to do with that. In fact, I actively, if I knew he was going to say that, I would have actively tried to stop him from writing that. But <laughs> that was part of the charm. It was very, very funny. You know, Tommy brought up about the difficult time like of a transition. You know, what we saw with uh, uh, Ruthless Aggression era to the PG era, and it's a big transition for fans. How was that transition for you as a writer presenting that product on TV? Um, go from Ruthless to PG? Yeah. Yeah. It was a challenge. It was difficult because as everybody knows, and you know, Tommy and Mickey experienced it. We went from ruthless aggression to like just the most insane stuff that was going on stuff that mm -hmm. really doesn't get brought up anymore for good reason. You know, right. LA one day, if uh, you're not familiar with it, <laughs> you know, and you'll see what I'm talking about to the PG era, which as we all know, was really G era. Right. Like, I remember getting into arguments with Vince. It's like, I had someone in a promo saying the word damn. It's like, oh, you can't say damn. I'm like, Ron Simmons literally wears the word damn on a t-shirt <laughs> and goes out there. Like, why, there's, you could totally say damn. We are PG, yeah. which is like the parental guidance is suggested. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, we used to joke. We used to joke that like, uh, it's just a matter of time now before like we in all seriousness have Muppets that we're working with. And all of a sudden, like Shawn Michaels is cutting a promo and then this like orange Muppet pops up and is like, I don't know, Shawn, it sounds like a bad idea. And, like, you know, when he's seriously having a conversation with it, that's what we would joke about because we had gone totally G at the beginning, even though it said PG. But ultimately, you know, it softened a little bit, not a lot. Um, but now it looks like it's kind of, you know, whether it's officially PG-14 or not, it is definitely, you know, edging up yeah it's it's edging up it's going that way i don't know if AEW had something to do with it as far as like well damn that's a pretty edgy product we should probably try to you know go back to our roots when it comes to that um but that was always you know i, I get it like you know you want to be a family friendly product because the kids watch the parents spend the money all that kind of stuff but at its core i always felt like you know and a lot of people felt like wwe it's about you know people fighting each other and talking trash to each other mm -hmm. and that's, you know, inherently not a very PG uh, environment and circumstance. And if you want to have it done right, like, you know, granted, I don't know, I, I guess I could make the claim that like in the rock and wrestling era, that was very PG and it got me hooked. So maybe I'm contradicting myself, but it was also geared much, much towards kids back then, too. It wasn't right. on primetime television, you know, at, at 8 to 11 p.m. You know, it was Saturday mornings. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you were lucky to stay up, you know, to catch Saturday night's main event, um, you know, that was a whole other animal, but that wasn't like a, right. it wasn't like shotgun Saturday night, Saturday night's main event. It was still the same, you know, vignettes and, and, you know, cheesy stuff that, you know, we all ate up as kids. I mean, my biggest regret was falling asleep during the Halloween episode and not seeing, you know, Piper dressed up as Superman bobbing for apples with the iron cheek of Batman <laughs> and stuff. It's like one of my fondest memories is of ultimately seeing that years later. That's Brian, so um, Vince is always talking about creating moments. Do you have a moment that 
you solely created and was one of like your most favorite moment that like is your responsibility? You know, I always prided myself uh, on collaboration. Um, it's one of those things like I always kind of felt uh, the best product is when you get to collaborate with talent. And that a lot of that has to do with having time to do that. Because as you know, when production meetings run so long, that's always been my number one enemy at WWE was not any particular person, but time with meetings starting at noon and getting out of the meeting at 2.30. But then the second meeting after the meeting, as you guys know, then commences and then all of a sudden it's four o'clock and then doors are opening at six o'clock and the show's on the air at eight o'clock and you have like multiple segments to, to work with the talent. Um, so I always, when, you know, always striving for, um, you know, to have that time to collaborate. I mean, stuff with Mickey and Trish, um, they brought so much of that to the table you know, and we worked with writer Alex Greenfield and, and you know, together we're able to cultivate that, you know, working with Kurt and Rock and Edge and Christian. I did, you know, we always, Edge and Christian and I would always come up with the promos together, but I, I can say I did propose singularly the idea of the five second pose. And for those, you know, <laughs> a bit of flash photography as a thing. Um, because A, I thought it was just like a, this was like really like molding clay because they had, as you know, not been allowed to talk for so long. You know, they were literally edge was silent rage when he came oh, no. in, uh, just running through the subways, very, very angry at something. We never found out what it was. <laughs> um, the man that stole his money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He got ripped off right before the camera started rolling. <laughs> um, and then they were the in the brood, which was great, but they were just like bobbing along with Gangrel as the happy vampires right. drinking from a goblet. Ooh, who wouldn't want to do that? But, you know, and then they were having the great ladder matches with the Hardys. But when I first started, you know, I discovered something you guys know very, very well, that Adam Copeland and Jay Riso are a couple of wise asses, just like mm -hmm. me, you know, <laughs> and along, right from the bat. So it was always cool to throw those things out. And then once I threw out that concept and they really dug it, then, you know, we would all collaborate on which ones we're going to do next. Um, I remember I, I, I lived in Gramercy in, in the city. Uh, I live, you know, still in the city, but further north now. But I would always go down to St. Mark's Place and buy the giant sunglasses, you know, that would become like their trademark uh, <laughs> as a thing on the weekends. Um, and then sometimes I would cheat, too, because, oh, we're in Boston. Well, I bet if we recreate the ball going through Buckner's legs, um, I can keep the Mets jersey that we'll use in the in the promo afterwards. Just, <laughs> wow. He's not going to want to keep it. So really? I, I accumulated a lot of clothing between between the Mets jersey with Edge. I think I bought specifically uh, a, a Knicks jersey for gold dust to wear at a 7-Eleven with Booker T once just so I can keep the jersey. Um <laughs> No need to expense this. Yeah, exactly. There's a big Divas shoot once. Um and Beth Phoenix had this cool Syracuse jersey on. You know, I asked her if I can keep that afterwards. She was like, sure, even though she, she is from the area. So that was a big right. She's like, well, I kind of wanted to keep it, but sure, I guess you can have yeah, it. It's also a women's jersey. I don't know why you want this, but go ahead. <laughs> like anything, I'll anything right. orange and blue, I'll wear. I don't care. But yeah, that's one that, that specifically, I, I guess I could, uh, you know, lay claim to. Yeah. Well, I love you so much. We've been, I mean, I have so many funny stories and stuff. In fact, I was telling, I was reminding you when you were writing your book, I was like, oh, is the, is the piggyback story going in there from whenever <laughs> we were in that one town and he lost a bet to Candace Michelle and he had to piggyback her all the way down. We were playing pool. She pool sharked him and she hustler. She, what she did. She won fair and square. She, she was like, you know, like playing coy and everything. And like, oh, what is this stick like thing? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> 
She's like sinking every pool shot imaginable. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about it in the book. She's getting some revenge because I, I don't didn't pull many wrestling ribs in my day. It's not really right. my do, but I did rib her when I told her, because uh, we did all these vignettes with her, like Candace Michelle coming soon and these like sexy, you know, almost showtime after dark type vignettes that were going to debut Candace. It was during that era. And I said, oh, Candace, you're going to love this. Because Candace was friends with uh, Jesse Ward, who who's now Jesse Whitney, who's married to Tommaso Ciampa. And uh, they were friends from Wisconsin. So I thought, oh, well, she's friends with Jesse. So Jesse could explain <laughs> this away <laughs> if I go too far. So I told her like, oh, this is going to be great. We're doing these vignettes. They're airing. You're doing great. And then when it's finally ready to go, you're going to be the first diva in history born without a tongue. It's going to be a special thing so that like when you finally speak, you'll be like, you'll have this like hissing. And she's like, oh, okay. But no, no, it's okay, Candace, because eventually we'll understand you. You'll be like, we'll get her a tongue implant. Yeah, we agree. The right. federal it does need to be, you know, absolved right. at some point. Here's um, the hottest woman in the world that has no tongue. And we were going to make her into like a modern day Chewbacca. And yeah, she just was. She was such a trooper that she was, you know, just, oh, okay, that could be good, I guess. Uh, (laughs) And then, you know, I I let her off the hook later that day. Right. I think she she secretly had it pent up as like, I need to get back at this little bastard at some point. Um, Ah. Because, yeah, when we all went out, you know, we didn't like hang out all that often. But when we did, um, you know, it's like, yeah, piggyback me back to the hotel. Like, uh, okay. It because, was these cobblestone streets too, like the yeah, old cobblestone even, streets. <laughs> yeah, it, was it wasn't so even funny. payment. I think this was calculated and, and marked on our account. Probably wasn't. It was probably just like a, this idiot doesn't know I'm good at pool, so this should be fun. But yeah, yeah that was that was good. And and on Mickey's insistence on, on bringing it up, uh, <laughs> get included in the book. Yeah, I love it. I love it. As well as I said, I thank you so much for my thank you in the back with my full birth name, Mickey F. Yeah. and James. Of Mickey course, F. James. Yeah. yeah, that's how most yeah. people know me. Hey, you know um, what? Um, I was going to say the collaboration, but Tommy brought in a, up a really good point of like, you know, I think what uh, not just because I love you, but I think a lot of, you know, your success and the success with the stories that you were able to help, you know, collab and create on television was due to the fact that you were probably one of the only the few people in the room that would actually question Vince or like buck him on his ideas or like fight for your idea a little bit like we say there's a lot of people in there to just kind of go along with it and just do whatever. But I felt like that you would fight Vince a lot more on things than when a lot of people wouldn't. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I, people, people have been asking me like, Oh, you know, what did it feel like when Vince would tear up your scripts at the beginning at the room and stuff? And it's like, Vince never tore up any script of mine. You know, he'd make changes constantly, but if anything, I remember, and Vince would eventually joke about it. Like, I remember being down, you know, at the ring during like rehearsals for something and he would say something or change something that would get me so frustrated that I'd take my script, my unstapled script and just throw it in the air and walk off in frustration, (laughs) which uh, normally a boss might, you know, take offense to, but he just found that hilarious. Um, (laughs) But, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I I was told early on, like, I like to be challenged is what he told me. I want to be challenged. I don't want everyone just nodding along to my ideas. And you have to have, you know, a certain, you know, it has to be a certain give and take. You can't, you can challenge, you can't go like too far to the point of being disrespectful or to the point of being like not letting something drop or not being able to die on a certain hill. 
as mm-hmm. a former uh, employer of Tommy, who was on the creative team, uh, you know, experienced a lot of times. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, OK, it's clear um, sometimes you change his mind and it's great. And sometimes he ain't changing his mind. And it's at that point, you know, you got to just say, OK, it's not what I would do, but I'm going to, you know, make this the best I could possibly be. But, you know, for me, too, you know, I always um, I always, uh, you know, always had the attitude early on that, you know, I'm, I'm really like this sitcom writer who's, who's temporarily here in the WWE. So I don't really have the stakes aren't as high for me. I, you know, if if for whatever reason this goes sideways and doesn't work out, I'm going back to the job I had done previously. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like walking on eggshells like, oh, no, if Vince doesn't like this, he might get mad. You know, it's just like, yeah, so he gets mad. I don't care. Um, yeah. You know, the longer I got there and the more WWE had occupied time in my life versus, you know, Hollywood sitcoms and stuff, when it wasn't so easy to just go back and be like, hey, everybody, I'm back. And who the hell are you? You know, like that kind of thing. Um, you know, I didn't really change my style, but I was definitely more aware of it. Like, right. You better not, you know. Uh, piss him off too much, even though, of course, I eventually did. And that's, you know, <laughs> detailed in the book as well. Well, Brian, you know, Brian I mean, uh, oh, honestly, you uh, you were there for 16 years. You create a lot of moments for the fans. And I hope you realize like the good that you did, mm-hmm. as well as you helped a lot of people and put a lot of money in a lot of wrestlers pockets. And for that, you should be highly commended for. And, you know, I personally thank you because that whole ECW thing I really didn't make. A lot of money and not that I had the greatest run in WWE, but you were always honest with me and you, you got that from a lot of people and you also made some great friendships. But what you did and like I always got it because like I saw the plight of the writer mm-hmm. and I'm happy like that you have the book. I'm happy that you're doing great in your life. But, you know, I, I say this publicly and we have so many different you know, we have such a large audience. It's like you deserve your flowers because, like you said, you create a lot of great wrestling moments that you'll it's like you don't get the credit for it. Right. And that's part of the job. And it's the shitty part of the job. But as long as now that, you know, you have this book, plus I'm saying it, Mickey says it, you've always had a lot of supporters. And it wasn't just because you were the head writer, it's just because you were good at your job. So yeah. I just wanted to straight up say that to you. And, you know, so the world knows that this guy did a lot of great moments for us as wrestling fans. And as well as for, like I said, a lot of people uh, had a lot of great careers because of it. So yeah. the one guy, the rock's doing pretty good too. Cause yeah, that, uh, Deej, He's got Deej is doing great. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of that, cause you mentioned sitcoms. I do want to mention young rock because I yeah. think, uh, First of all, I think it's a phenomenal series and it's the biggest uh, new sitcom out there right now. But as an old school wrestling fan, Brian, like to be able to see some of those flashbacks to, you know, Polynesian Pacific Championship Wrestling and how you covered the territory, it's it's flawless. So thank you for that as well. Yeah, that's a that's such a great labor love for Dwayne and Seven Bucks and and Danny and and our show creators, Notchka Khan and, and Jeff Chang. Um, you know, because that really is like they're big wrestling fans. We're big wrestling fans. Obviously, Dwayne lived it. Now we're cutting into the 90s era, which I lived with him. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, we were lucky if my fortunate enough, Dwayne, myself, Hiram to to write an episode last year. And it was the episode of Dwayne's first match. So it's like, yeah, we'll put in Michael Hayes. We'll put in a Michael Hayes actor. We'll put in <laughs> Richard actor. We'll put in, you know, obviously Austin and, and McFoley and Undertaker and Triple H for me, 
uh, insistence on Mantar being in the episode, even if it technically he had left a month or two ago. It doesn't matter. But really, the you know, we always sit down. We we, we kick off every season. We're in our third season now um, with a big story conference with Dwayne just telling us stories. Rock just telling stories from his childhood, stories that his grandparents and that his dad and his mom had told him. Um, you know, we have downtown Bruno, Bruno Lauer as a character, major character last year. Uh, and we had the writers do Zooms with Bruno, who would, you know, it's like stuff like I take for granted because I've heard, you know, I've been in the environment and I've heard these stories and stuff like that, but never really truly realized like everyone's mouth agape when he's telling these stories about the territories, um, you know, which segue, by the way, to our Tales from the Territory show uh, mm-hmm. coming twice this year. I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's another extension. Congratulations. Of- Thank you of our just just the love of the business. Um, you know, we have a lot, plenty of non-wrestling projects, too, at Seven Bucks, but that's always going to be our sweet spot. Um, and, and just to go back to one thing, you know, that Tommy said, you know, I, I really do appreciate what you said. Um, and it's it's especially telling because very, very early on, um, I was told by a number of people that the wrestlers aren't trying to be your friends. You think they're trying to be your friends, but they're working. you. They're working mm-hmm. you because they want to get on TV. That's that's what it really is all about. Um, and I always challenge that. And I said, like, you know, that's just not true. I'm, I, we talk about stuff that has nothing to do with wrestling. Yeah, but that just they're just investing their time just so they can cozy up. And it's like, you know, especially during the process of this book and, and you know, asking for, you know, stories and, and in some cases, book plug, everything else, not to mention the fact that like Mickey James can be going to the Mets game and I'll be like, OK, I'm going with you. It doesn't matter that I don't work there anymore. Uh, <laughs> we're hanging out or we're hanging out somewhere. Or Tommy, you know, could send me like this. I got this uh, Ed Cranepool autograph thing. Like I'm sending it to you, <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. I think the relationships that that I've kept from WWE and the world of wrestling well after I've been gone. I've been off the road for over a decade. I've been off the company for seven years now. And so many of these relationships are still strong, including relationships of people that I really wasn't friends with at the beginning that I could mm-hmm. text with like Sean Waltman now for, you know, go back and forth for like, you know, over the course of several days, something that I never thought would be possible when I was working there. You know, that's something I'm, I'm really, really proud and appreciative of. Well, yeah. well, Brian, first and foremost, we don't speak about Ed Cranepool in the LaGreca family. <laughs> uh, so we try to, we try to stay away from Ed Cranepool because if I mentioned to my brother, you know, he goes off. Um, but, but seriously, Brian, uh, congratulations with the book. Uh, again, the book is called There's Just One Problem, True Tales from the former one time seventh most powerful person in the WWE. Brian, uh, we love it. Thank you so much for the time. We're going to have to get you on again because we're going to yes. have to talk more about the book. And obviously I'd love to get you on again as we get closer to season three of Young Rock. But Brian, thank you so much for the time today. We really appreciate it. I love it. you, Brian. I love you too, Mickey. I thank still you. want my autograph, by the way. Yeah. Well, of course. It's a very, it's a role reversal because I have like, eight different autographs of yours between your albums and CDs and posters and stuff like that. I forced him to take them, (laughs) but you know, Tommy, David, thank you so much. I want to, uh, I want to come on a show, you know, whether it's close to territories coming out or, uh, or or young rock or just, or something specifically um, that, that angers uh, David on raw that, you know, necessitates a gigantic 40 minute rant. I just want to like, you know, just sit in the back (laughs) and just, you know, hear it on spool. (laughs) <laughs> and you know what, Brian? Eventually, when the Mets shit the bed, we'll have you on to talk about that as well. How dare you? <laughs> <Bastard>. <laughs> Brian, seriously, thank you so much. We appreciate yeah. it. 
Thank you. It was a fun. What is up, everyone? It's Jeff Ratcliffe, the host of the Rant Podcast. Join me weekdays for my unique brand of insight and analysis that will help you crush your fantasy football leagues and DFS contests. I'm also bringing you the sharpest betting angles, unique parlays, and the need-to-know info that helps put units in your pocket. The Rant, the fantasy football podcast that's on every winning lineup. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app free for most subscribers. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's been a long time since we've had her here on Busted Open and we bring in for Women of Wednesday, CJ Perry joins us. How are you this morning? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Hi. How are you? I'm so excited. Here. Something that we talked about on this show all the time about each and every week, you going through a table, like I, at some <laughs> point it, you, you probably were, I would think you have to raise your hand to be like, all right, you know, can we pass this week on me going through a table? <laughs> Was there a point where you're like enough is enough here? With Naya oh, putting you through no. table? I actually like beg for it. I, I'm not even kidding. I So I wanted to go through a table for a really long time. And Mira was like, absolutely not. He's like, do you want to die? And I'm like, no, but I want to go through a table. And um, so he, like, I pitched so many different times for me to go through a table. Um, when we were in the story with Bobby Lashley, um, I pitched when we had that match with Liv. He was with Liv and I was with Bobby. I'm like, okay, you go to super kick Bobby. He moves out of the way and you super kick me in the face. And, you know, we can have a table. <laughs> I can go through a table. Um, but Vince and Miro shut that down. First, Miro shut that down. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually a big believer that I don't think that the table thing with Naya would have ever happened if Miro was there because he was so protective over me. Like, even in the ladder match, he was freaking out. Every time I would ever have a match, he would be freaking out because, <laughs> yeah. you know, he doesn't want anyone to get hurt, but especially you know, his wife. So, um, I, I was really thankful that I got that opportunity because I don't, you know, I don't know if he, if that would have happened in that exact manner, if he was there. And then Vince was like, thought it was so funny that I would get so excited about going through tables. I'm like, it's my dream. I want to go through a table. And he's like, what is wrong with you? But okay. Um, so I don't know. It's just when I think of professional wrestling, I do think of the craziness, you know, the Bob yeah. Wire, um, Tommy Dream, Dreamer, um, the freaking tables, you know, the crazy, the cages, you know, and I never really had, like, I didn't have the cell matches and the cage matches. So any opportunity that I got, if it was a ladder match and, you know, take a bump on a ladder or go through a table, I just, I wanted to do it so badly. Um, so yeah, yeah I'm very thankful actually, weirdly. Yeah. Hopefully uh, when I went and saw the stranger things experience, they had the barricades and I told Beulah 
to drop me on the barricade. And she was like, what is wrong with you? So hopefully that doesn't happen to you in real life. And it's <laughs> real life things that I do. And sometimes Mickey's still around me and she'll see me do stupid take bumps for no reason. So uh, hopefully that doesn't happen for you. Because, just to pop, just to pop whoever's around. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> don't do that. And I'm glad you're not like we have an era of uh, bleeding because you become addicted to the blade, brother. And we don't want to see that happen. No, to not on that beautiful face. No. I will say that, and people don't really know this. And I know because I was there with you CJ is how people don't realize because most I think most people saw you in that managerial role. I don't think people realize how passionate you were about wrestling and about being a good wrestler to the point where you would go fly yourself to Natty's and train there. Um, you would fly yourself to fit and train there with him. And I was like, I remember when I when you told me that I was like, oh, my God, because I knew I had two days home. I was flying home, you know, but you were flying to go get better at wrestling because you want it to be um, respected in the ring. And you wanted the girls to want to wrestle you and work with you and and want it to be elevated and be seen in more of a wrestling role. And I think that I just commend you so much on that because it wasn't expected of you, because I think that you would have been on television as a manager role or doing something regardless you know, because you're very talented. And I think the fact that you're so smart, people don't realize that, that you speak all these languages and that you were in ballet and you're very educated. You're just a, you're a smart chick because they see the beauty. They don't see the brains. Right. But you're there's so many layers to CJ. And I just I commend you on. I think oh, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Oh my I'm God. a big fan of you. Oh, my God. I'm a big fan of you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I, that, I really appreciate that. I I love wrestling so much and I just wanted to give the respect that the business deserved. And I think that there, you know, there's people, I was very lucky to get such an amazing opportunity and I never wanted to take that for granted. And I just had so much respect for people like you and Natty and Bailey and Sasha, like girls that this was their dream from a little girl. And I was given such a great opportunity and I, I wanted to like the least I could do, I felt was, to give it my all um, because I had so much respect for people like you, you know? And um, yeah, I never wanted to take that for granted. And also just, I want to always be known for someone with incredible work ethic, no matter what I do. And I think we should all be that, that way in life. Whenever opportunity is given to us is like work to the best of our ability, because um, I think the universe rewards that. Yeah. Uh, CJ, not, not because you're on with us, but I mean, and all our listeners, myself, Dave bully every week we would talk about that. But when you talk about your peers, like bully myself, we would be like, why are they not doing more at this? This woman has earned it. Her in-ring is so, so good from your peers. Like we're all, we were all rooting for you because mm -hmm. of how much like you did improve. And we see that you wanted it. So, you know, bully guy who, you know, made a lot of money with tables is yeah. in that like, and we're every, every sh after it would be Tuesdays where we're talking about, how great you were as a performer. So mm -hmm. I just wanted you to know that. And it's not because you're here. And I know you're in the WWE bubble at that time, but, and it's also with the fans. We were right. all talking about it. And, and Dave was probably one of your biggest advocates uh, every week because of like, we saw exactly what Mickey described. So it's, I always like to give people flowers when, uh, you know, they're alive. And right. so that's how to uh, a hall of famer and a hardcore guy and a crazy co-host thought about you. And then the nation would always chime in and talk about you as well. So mm -hmm. uh, your yeah. hard work may have gone unnoticed there, but never with the fans. And that's the realest part about it. Yeah. yeah. 
Thank you so much. That means so much to me. You have no idea. Well, Thank the you. thing that bothered me is that there was no payoff. Like you had that whole right. series of you going through a table, you going through a table, you going through a table, and then it just stopped. Like there never was that big pay per view match where you finally got the revenge of putting and you put her through, through the table. table. Yeah, right. I know. I you know it's just it's the business. You know, I so much had to accept. You know, just I, I didn't want to be bitter throughout the eight years I worked for WWE. So I just kind of would take it like I would um, anything in acting. Like I am not the director. Vince McMahon is the director. He's the Steven Spielberg or the executive of the studio. And at the end of the day, it's his story, you know, with, in Hollywood, you have the same formula. You just might have a couple more people deciding. So you might have like 10 people weigh in versus just one person. But at the end of the day, it's a matter of an opinion and a matter of what people, the head person wants to tell. And aside a funny story, actually about the payoff, um, survivor series, um, came and I was, Naya was supposed to put me through a table in the middle of the match. And then that had the change because of, um, you know, politics, um, but then I found out we had all this crazy stuff planned. We planned, you know, Bailey was excited about it. Um, Bianca, everyone was super excited and we were, I was going to be doing a bunch of wrestling and, um, yeah, super stoked. So we get there and then Vince changes everything. He pulls TJ. He's like, okay, I don't want Lana in the ring at all. Like at all. He, she's just going to stand there and then she's going to win by count out and TJ at least fought for me to get in the ring and at least, you know, do a little bit of wrestling in the mid of the match. He was like, look, you have to like give that a little bit. So he fought for that. And thankfully that happened, but I still won by count out and I was devastated. I'm talking about literally devastated. Like Pat Buck tells me I'm crying the Pat Buck. Then I run to a corner. I'm hiding. You know, I was acting like just really dramatic. And Mira was like, all oh, you girls are so dramatic. Uh, like, most of us boys would be like, yeah, I don't have to get in. And, um, so I'm like crying in a corner and I call Natty. And I'm like, Natty, come here. And Natty comes to me. I'm like, I'm just winning by standing there. And Natty's like, yeah, but you're still winning. It's okay. And I'm like, I just want to prove myself. I just want to prove myself. I want to wrestle. And, um, you know, Natty's just like, it's okay. Natty and Pat were trying, and Vero, TJ were trying to like, just be like, okay, calm down. This is like, you know, you're still winning. But that was just an example of like how much I wanted to wrestle like I didn't want to just win by um you know those type of situations which that is professional wrestling for sure and um, maybe I shouldn't have been you know so emotional but I just wanted to have that chance to you know prove that I didn't want to just um and I was a baby face at the time too so um but um yeah it's funny hindsight looking back I'm like I just wanted to wrestle I just wanted to show what I was training for <laughs> yeah um our very own Gabby, she's uh, fell in love with you for total divas in the sense of you showing all these different ranges. Big reason why she wanted to bring you on the show. And thankfully, we had Mickey James to connect all this. Um, and it all responded from social media and your tweet going out there uh, with, you know, in thirsty heart. Throat. So can you kind of like talk about that? Because. Gabby was the one who brought it to our attention. She's like, oh, no, it's on. And I want to hear all about it. She wants all the tea. <laughs> wait, which, wait, what specific? Uh, what is this Julia Hart oh, is Julia stalking. Yeah. I called her Thirsty Heart. Thirsty Heart. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, you know, if you guys, I don't know if you guys saw AEW, um, she showed up and she tried to seduce my husband, the Redeemer, um, Miroslav, formerly known Rusev, um, from WWE, now in AEW, and he's crushing it. So she showed up and, you know, she tried to seduce him. She's in the House of Black. And of course, he said that only one woman can touch him and that's his hot flexible wife, which is me, you know, subscribe to cjperry.com. Um, <laughs> Um, I I really can't go into much of anything. Um, I love to do something with um, Mira over in AEW. And so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Interesting. 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 And it seems like like the tea. Would love to come and drop drop kick her in the face, to be honest. So I felt I'm going to share how I felt when I saw it, because like Miro didn't tell me until after it got debuted. And I was actually in Malibu um, drinking a nice little margarita. And it's so funny, maybe I'm a jealous type of person. But when I saw it, I was furious. Like I wanted to literally show up and slap the shit out of her. <laughs> then I went on to Twitter and all the fans were putting these little gifts of me, like taking my earrings off. And those, this yes. is right now. And I just like pop so hard because I'm like, God, the fans know me. Like that's literally what I'm doing right now. <laughs> right over there getting like, my sister's like, calm down. I'm like, I'm furious. <laughs> Why does she have a blazer on? I'm going to slap the shit out of her. <laughs> oh yeah hopefully i get a blazer heat <laughs> well just so you know cj i don't know if you noticed or not but julie hart is following you on social media as well so it's, i think it's at the point where it's a bit of a stalking issue here yeah. with julia hart i i would agree i mean she's yeah. sure i mean she has all these cute pictures on her instagram that she's very you know her vibe is very house of black and then she shows up in a blazer like yeah. I literally drop kick you right now in the face. Yeah. Gimmick infringement. Gimmick <laughs> infringement. Laser on a pole match. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, CJ, now that you've kind of been away from the world of the WWE for a bit, like what's the one thing you miss and what's the one thing you don't miss in mm. that world? That's a great question. Um, I definitely miss like showing up with a microphone and just freaking talking a bunch of shit and getting booed out of the building you know I there's like I crave it I crave yeah I just you know I, I would love to return to wrestling and burn the house down with heat um so I, I I miss that connection with the fans I miss the fans so much um there's nothing like that adrenaline rush that you get at live performance and especially when you're able to really tell a compelling story that people get behind and they're either booing or cheering it is i mean it's the best drug in the world it's incredible uh, so i there's many days that i just i kind of get sad a little bit because i miss that and it's just like you know it's a part of life of um going through these stages and these moments these chapters i love to return and do something you know powerful and compelling um but i'm i'm such a person that I love the story aspect. So if it's just, you know, maneuvers, that's great and respect. I just don't think that is, I can go out there and wrestle and I can resolve my um, conflict in the ring 1000%. But I think where my money spot is, is the storytelling part and mm-hmm. driving the, you know, that's the important, that's why I fell in love with professional wrestling is I'm like, this is so cool. You have all these compelling stories. And then it's the only place that you're allowed to punch people in the face and, you know, not get sued. So, you know, 
to resolve your conflict in the ring. And I just, I love that aspect. Um, so that part I really miss. And the, the girls, I really miss the locker room. I, I think I didn't realize how much I would miss that because there's so many times, you know, Mickey knows like so many times someone will drive us crazy. And um, also it's a, it's a competition. So in that moment, in the locker room, we're all going after that spot. If it's the championship, if it's time on television, you know, it's competitive and we're in this business because we are competitive. So I think, you know, there's always that little bit of an edge, but then when you're gone, you're like, damn, I really missed my dysfunctional family. Yeah, I get it. So um, that for sure. I don't miss traveling every single day, though. I will say that. Yeah. We just have 60 seconds before we have to go. So please throw out there, you know, CJ, you mentioned CJPerry.com. How can people get in touch with you? Yes. um, Subscribe to CJPerry.com. You can DM me there. You can talk to me there. I talk to all my fans. Um, I'm directing a short action comedy and that's next month. That's going to also premiere on um, CJPerry.com. And awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. We have to get you back on again. Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love you guys. I love you too. Busted Open is a part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. The executive producer is Paul Erwin. The digital producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andre Viola is the associate producer. Fight Nation's program director is Eddie Brasilli, or as we call him, Big Boss Man Eddie Brasilli. Marissa Reeves is the director of sports podcast. A special thanks to senior vice president of sports and podcast, Steve Cohen. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.